You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Today we are starting a brand new series called Playlist. And you might be wondering what that is all about and what the music was all about. And so what we're going to do is something similar to what Jesus did in his time. See, Jesus told stories. He told parables. And they were very culturally relevant stories. And so people who were hearing them at that time, it wouldn't have been just like any other story to them. They would have been a cultural reference that they would have really understood. So it would have been like this big aha moment. It would have clicked with them, right? If it would be like today, if someone made a reference to like Game of Thrones or something like that was really popular in culture and be like, oh, I, I know what they're talking about. Some of you are like, Game of Thrones? What? But you know what I'm saying. And culturally, so we're going to do the same thing. And what he would do is he would tell the story and then he would pull some kind of spiritual truth from it. Or he would communicate something about the kingdom of God. Or he would communicate what it meant to be a Jesus follower. And so we're going to do something very similar in this series. We're not going to be using stories and parables, but we're going to be using lyrics from popular music, popular songs. That's the playlist. And so we're going to take a look over the next couple of weeks, some songs, and we're going to do the same thing. We're going to pull some spiritual truths, some things that we can apply to our lives that God is speaking to us. And my hope is that maybe if you hear these songs in the coming weeks, maybe it'll kind of jog your memory to a little bit about what we've been talking about. And so I'm really excited about today, kicking this off on Easter Sunday. I'm already really excited for next week's message and song. I'm already really amped for that. I I hope you're here. But today we're going to start with our Easter message and start with getting in here. And we'll introduce the song here in just a moment. And it's Easter Sunday, and some of you are there, right? You've got that Easter Sunday kind of faith. You're excited. It's game on. You're ready to be here, excited. Come on, bring on Easter. And then some of us, maybe you haven't been feeling so excited. Maybe it hasn't been so great. Maybe you're still on Friday. You know, Friday is when Jesus was actually put on the cross and when he he gave his life. And maybe you're feeling like that. Maybe you're still feeling it's like Friday. Maybe you feel overwhelmed or you feel discouraged in some way. Or maybe you just feel like hopeless. It's like, wow, it's great. Let's celebrate Easter. But I just feel empty. I feel hopeless. I don't know what's going on. And and many times what happens when we feel that way is we begin to give up on something that really matters. Have you ever done that before? Ever felt that temptation? Or maybe you've just thrown in the towel before. I have. You ever feel that temptation to just really walk away on something that truly matters? But what I think about and what I recognize in my life, there are so many times that had I walked away, had I chose to quit, had I chose to throw in the towel, that I wouldn't have received a blessing or enjoyed something that was on the other side of that difficult season. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I, I think about my own life and the things that I would have missed out had I not pushed through sometimes. You know, I met my wife, Christy, we'll actually be married. This year will be 15 years for us, 15 years, a decade and a half of marriage. It doesn't seem possible. It's like once you have kids, you just blink and it's like, oh, we've been married 15 years. It just, it just happens. And so, but here's what you might not know. It almost didn't happen right? Oh, plot twist. This is getting good. Juicy Sunday morning Easter story. You guys ready for this? So Christy and I, when we met over 15 years, a little over 15 years ago, we met online. I know, right? Today I say that and people are just like, oh, they met online. 15 years ago, I said we met online. People are like, oh, you know, 
that's really creepy. How do you, you know, that's, that was weird. And, and we did. It was legitimate. It was eHarmony. Yeah, I remember Neil, Neil Clark warned anyone the eHarmony commercial. Right, so we, we met on eHarmony, got totally suckered into the free personality profile. That Neil Clark Warren knows how to sell his stuff. It's like, log on now and get a free personality profile. So I'm like, oh, I love these personality profile tests. So I go on there, do the profile. It's like, here's all your things. You know, here's what you're like. I'm like, ah, that's decently accurate. And then it pops up. Oh, would you like to receive a couple of matches? You don't have to sign up. And I'm like, come on, guys. You know you're curious at that time. Like, give mm, me some honeys up here on my screen. Let's see what's going on here. Okay, so, um, so I get some matches, and I start reading through them. And I'm not going to get into the whole story, but end up meeting Christy. She was hilarious, totally outside of the box. We totally broke the rules on eHarmony. True story. I don't have time to get into all of it. I'll share it later. But the first time I met Christy in person, right, we're going to fast forward. So we've been talking for months online. Things were going really well. And so now we we're going to meet first time in person. And the reason this was a big deal is because I was in Pittsburgh. I just finished up college. I just had come home, and Christy was in grad school in Memphis. That's where she was living, finishing up her graduate degree, and she was at home in Indiana for break. And so the plan was we were going to meet in Ohio. So we're going to meet in Springfield, Ohio at this Wendy's. Come on, someone. The Wendy's in Springfield, Ohio. That's where it started. It's the magic happened. And so I remember um, we get there. Now, here's where the tension came from me. It wasn't even that I was going to meet Christy for the first time, but her parents were bringing her, and they were staying for lunch. I was like... No pressure, right, guys? Come on, help me out here. I mean, it's like meeting the girl's parents is one thing, but then to like meet her for the first time when you're meeting her for the first time in person, I mean, the pressure was intense. I'm like, I don't even know if I can eat anything from Wendy's. And so I get there. I, I mean, of course, I'm a little bit early because you want to you impress, you know, the girl's parents, so I, I don't want to be late. So I get there early. I'm sitting in the parking lot. I pull up. I'm staring at this Wendy's, turn the key off, pull it out. I'm looking at it, and this thought crosses my mind. Brian, you could put the key in right now, start this car, and drive away. You could just do it right now. You could just drive this car away right now. I'm just like, oh, I can't do it. So I, I worked through those nerves, and I stayed, right? I stayed, and I met her parents, and it was as awkward as you can imagine. And I remember some people got nuggets. I had a spicy chicken sandwich. Um, it was amazing. I, I refrained from getting a kid's meal. I wanted a toy, but I was like, nope, got to kind of got to be mature now, Brian. Um, so uh, it, it was, it, it, so what the funny thing is, is Christy later admitted to me that as they were getting ready to go to come to this Wendy's and have this rendezvous with this stranger from Pittsburgh that they're going to send their daughter off with, because they didn't even get to that part, she was going to come with me back to Pittsburgh after we met for the first time, right? Hats off to her parents for allowing that to happen 15 years ago. Um, and so her mom told her while they were getting ready to go and on the way, hey, we can we can turn this around anytime. We don't have to go through with this, right? We, we don't have to follow through with this Wendy rendezvous. I mean, it's just kind of... Uh, so, Thank God that we both had the nerve to follow through with it. I think the people who are most excited would be my daughters, right? Because had we not followed through, had we not pushed through that, we wouldn't have the blessing of our three girls that we have at home, our Braylon, our Lily, our Cora. We wouldn't have any of that. They wouldn't exist had we not pushed through that awkwardness and had that first, I guess, date together with her parents. Is that what it was? Like, I never even really thought about it. So my first date, trivia, I was with my wife, future wife, and her parents and the in-laws. I mean, come on. Anyone else have that experience? first date with your in-laws? No one, because it's not right. It's not normal. It's not healthy. Just don't, don't do it. 
But had I not stuck through, I wouldn't have our children and I wouldn't be the man that I am today. Honestly, had I not met Christine and met Mary, I wouldn't be the man that I am. And, and honestly, would never have experienced the ministry that I had. Treeline wouldn't exist had I not followed through in that Wendy's parking lot. Because see, after we were married, we moved back to Indiana after time. I became a youth pastor there, was there for 10 years at a wonderful church plant that just started up. And that really became the seeds for where Treeline came from was by being in that season in Indiana. And so none of that would have happened. So isn't it amazing, guys, if you're ever there ready to meet the girl and you're tempted to drive away from the Wendy's, just stay in the parking lot because the blessing is on the other side. I'm so glad that I stayed. And so there's things like that that are lighter and sometimes a little more trivial, right? But that was a big deal. And so for me, you know, I grew up in a home. My, pastor, my parents were pastors, and so I saw a lot of great and amazing things through that. I saw God do a lot of amazing things, like up close and personal. But sometimes I saw some of the painful sides of ministry, too. You just get an up seat, front, front close seat to that, and so you see some of the hurtful things. And I was like, I, I, you know, this is kind of awesome, but I don't know if I want to do that. I, I want to go do something else. But God captured my heart, and he called me into ministry. I actually went to college for ministry, got a ministry degree, and then I had to pay back the school loan with a ministry degree. That worked out real well. Cha-ching! Let me tell you how that worked out. That's another message for another day. But anyway, um, you'll be happy to know they're paid off. It only took like double time, but they're done. They're paid off. And so, uh, you know, I was going to school for ministry, got my first job at a, like a big church, like first ministry gig. It was like I was getting this salary. It was amazing. I'm like, oh, this is, this is great. Ministry is awesome. But then quickly found out that it wasn't everything that I thought it was going to be. Matter of fact, I found myself in the middle of a really, really unhealthy situation and there was a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, and, and I found myself caught in that and was really hurt and wounded by some people who I really looked up to and some people that I really respected and some people who I really thought had my back and ended up just really getting kind of verbally abused and it was not an okay situation. And so at this point, I was done. At this point, it just got to the point where it was so toxic in my life and was affecting me in such a negative way that I had to walk away. And so I, I quit. I quit, and I didn't need to just quit that church. I quit ministry. I was like, I I'm done with this. I I've seen enough. I'm not dedicating my life to this. Now I'm strapped with these school loans. How am I going to pay this back? It's like basket weaving. Go find something else to do with the ministry degree, right? What am I supposed to do, Lord? But aren't you thankful for those friends in your lives that are just sometimes there for that right season at that right time? And I had a friend, Eric, after that happened, he sat me down. And he was like, look, Brian. This isn't just all about you, and it's not just about this season. And really loved me through a very difficult season and then told me some truths that I needed to hear and really came to discover that, you know, if God truly did call me to ministry, and if he truly did call me and give this calling on my life to help people, wouldn't you think that if the enemy is real, if there is a devil, that he wouldn't want any of that to happen? And the answer is yes, he wouldn't want me to go help people. He wants me to tell people about God, tell people about the goodness of who Jesus is, that God loves them, that he's a plan for the life. He wouldn't want that news getting out. And so I had to realize that I couldn't let that happen. I couldn't let the enemy, I couldn't let the devil derail the plans, the calling that God had on my life. Because here's what I know, sometimes the most meaningful times in life, they generally follow the most difficult ones. Sometimes the most meaningful things that we will experience in life, sometimes they will come directly after some of the most difficult trials we go through. And see, I know this to be true because when that happened to me, when I was ready to quit and I threw in the towel, see, there's this little church plant in a rural town in Portland, Indiana, who was just getting started. And they decided, hey, we really need this youth ministry. Who are we going to ever find who can do youth ministry in this small town? And lo and behold, Brian and Christy just happened to, quote, quote, 
quote, air fingers, moved back to the area. And Brian does student ministry. And God totally opened up the doors. He healed my heart, had me under a pastor who just loved me where I was, who apologized for the hurt that I went through. And it was everything that I needed in that moment. And had I missed that out, I would have missed out on 10 years of incredible, incredible fulfillment in ministry getting to pastor and love on students and teenagers who gave their life to Christ and who this day are young adults. Some of them are here on this team. Some who are pursuing ministry, pursuing missions work. And even beyond that, the ones that aren't vocational ministry, they love Jesus. And they're starting families with Christ at the center of them. And it's like the biggest part of my legacy. And I feel so fulfilled even now before 40, before 40, I still feel fulfilled so much. I thought I'd throw that out there just in case you guys are wondering. I'm almost there, but not quite yet. But I would have missed out on that season. I would have missed out on that moment of ministry had I not pushed through that pain, not pushed through even that hurt and that resentment that I felt because it's so true that sometimes the most meaningful times in life, they generally follow the most difficult trials. See, it's Easter, and just like Easter wasn't all about a physical battle, it wasn't just about a physical death that Jesus faced on the cross, but it was cross. It was about something more. There was a spiritual battle going on. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that we don't fight just against flesh and blood. It's just not the natural things that we have before us, but there is a spiritual war going on that we're facing the powers of darkness, and that's what Jesus had to face. And so I don't know what you're going through, but I think this statement is true and might give you a clue to the first song that we're looking at today. But it's this, your enemy will give you a million reasons to quit on whatever matters most. See, and I don't know what that is for you, but if maybe you're facing it now, maybe you'll face it in the future, but it will happen that the enemy will give you a million reasons to quit on what matters most. And see, you're gonna wanna quit on something. You're gonna wanna quit on someone. You're gonna go quit on some dream that God's placed inside of you. You're gonna wanna quit on some goal that you have set. You're gonna wanna quit on something. And your enemy will give you a million reasons to quit on what matters most. And so Garrett's going to come up, and maybe you caught the clue on what song we're going to be doing today. Garrett's going to sing this song for us together, and you don't have to sing along with him if you don't want, I don't think. I mean, I guess you can if you want, but he's going to sing this song for us, and then we're going to continue on with the message. You ready, Garrett? Hey, guys, give it up for Garrett. Isn't Garrett awesome? I love Garrett. Did you catch it? You'll have a million reasons to walk away. But all you need is one good reason to stay the course. See, there'll be a million reasons to quit. There'll be a million reasons to walk away, but you just need one reason to stay. I don't know if you caught the lyrics. I'll read them for you. It says, you've given me a real million reasons to let you go. You're giving me a million reasons to quit the show. Is it impossible to read lyrics without wanting to sing them? I just want to bust out right now. You're giving me a million reasons. If I had a highway, I would run for the hills. If you could find a driveway, I'd forever be still. But you're giving me a million reasons. See, we only need one reason to stay. See, there might be a million reasons to quit, but it's all about pressing on when you want to give up. And so as we talk about Easter and we talk about what Jesus did, we talk about him giving his life, it really causes us to wonder how he did what he did. And so we see here in the book of John 12, it says this, John 12, 23 says, now the time has come for the son of man to enter into his glory. 
Now my soul is deeply troubled because he knew his time was coming to an end. He knew that it was about to end. His time on earth was here. It was, it was over. He knew it was coming. And so his soul was deeply troubled, and he says this. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? See, Jesus knew what he was about to go through. He knew the sufferings that he was about to face. And it's impossible to adequately describe the intensity that Jesus would suffer. It's impossible to adequately put into words what he was going to go through. See, the sufferings that he was going to face, and starting even with the betrayal, that the people who were closest to him, that he had faced such incredible betrayal by them. Yes, Judas, one of his close followers, sells him out. I mean, just sells him out for some money? The guy who just did life with you? The guy who just poured his everything, just gave you his all, and just cha-ching, right? Just trades it all away and sells you upstream just for some money? That he had to go through that kind of betrayal? And if that wasn't enough, Peter, one of his closest friends, Peter, the one who said, Jesus, no matter what happens, if everyone else walks away, when everyone else goes, Jesus, I will still be right here for you. I will have your back. And then what happened? Some little girl, some little girl, it's what the Bible says, comes up to Peter. Hey, don't you know him? Don't you know Jesus? What does Peter say? Does he stand up? Oh, yeah. No, I don't know him. I don't know who it is. Run, turns and runs the other way. Little girl confronted him, scared Peter. Oh, come on, bring it, Peter. You're such a great friend. The betrayal that, can you imagine how much that had to have hurt? Some of you know what betrayal's like, and Jesus knew what he was in for. And see, beyond the betrayal, the physical torment that he was about to go through, that his body was going to be beat, his face was going to be beat over and over again to the point where he wouldn't even have been recognizable. That his body was whipped over and over and over again with whips where his body and his flesh was torn, where probably his organs were probably facing the other way. That he was physically destroyed in every way and they put a crown of thorns on him and a robe on him and they mocked him and they spit on him. And they're like, hey, man, even beyond the torment and verbal abuse to him, the things that they said about the heavenly father, the things that they said about God, I can't even imagine how difficult that would have been for him to hear them mocking him and mocking God. And then stripped him, probably naked, totally ashamed, put on this cross, and then they took stakes and they beat the stakes into his hands to nail him to this cross, to die a brutal death, and they lifted him up to this point now where he's hanging and he has to pull himself up, gasping for breath so he doesn't suffocate as he hangs there on that cross. And see, the worst hadn't even come yet. See, Jesus became sin. He took on all of the sin of the world. He took up my mistakes. He took your mistakes, our sins, the things that we did against God. He took them all in that moment. When he took all of that sin upon him, it became sin. God could no longer look upon him. And Jesus felt totally abandoned, totally alone in that moment. And he said, God, God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me here alone? Can you imagine going through such incredible torment, betrayal physically, and then the final blow being abandoned by his heavenly father? So we can understand in John 12, 27, when he said this, but it continues, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? In another translation, it says, can this cup pass before me? Is there, is there another way you can do this, God? Can you accomplish this in another way? But then he continues, he doesn't stop there. This was his Wendy's moment. But this is the very reason I came. 
See, when he was faced with that temptation of saying, God, is there another way I can get through this? This was the very reason he came. There were a million reasons, a million very good reasons why he would want to walk away, why he wouldn't deal with that. But aren't you thankful that Jesus came and he didn't just come for the righteous. He didn't come for people who had it all together, the holy rollers, the people who just, you know, they're so good and they're so great and everything's great about them and they're nice and they're wonderful. No, 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 no. Jesus came for the train wrecks like me and you. He came for the hot mess like me and you, the people who don't have it together, the people who have sin in their lives. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't come for the righteous? Matter of fact, Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. It's not a healthy that need a doctor. I came for the sick. I came for people who are messed up. And man, I'll be the first one to put my hand up. Man, I need Jesus. And that is why he came. And that is who he came for. See, it's amazing what you can endure when you have a reason. It really is amazing what you can endure. I think of people who do CrossFit. Anyone in here do CrossFit? Anyone? Because we'll pray for deliverance. There is deliverance in Jesus if you do CrossFit. Anyone know anyone who does CrossFit? Because we'll pray for them right now. You put their name on that prayer card. We will pray. CrossFit. I mean, come on. These people get up early in the morning, and they flip, like, tractor tires. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Not like a car tire. Like, a tractor tire. They just, like, flip these around because it's fun, I guess, right? And so they flip these tractor tires. They're, like, jumping up on boxes. I got a million reasons why I won't do CrossFit. It. They're called burpees. If you've ever seen people, I mean, it's intense. It's, it's people are like burpees. You can just Google it later. Nothing inappropriate will come up. Um, but you can, you, it's just amazing to see. And why would they do that? Why would they submit themselves to that kind of grueling exercise? Like get a treadmill, man. Like what's the deal? But because of the physical benefit, I guess, on the other side of that, right, that comes from doing that level of work, they get a benefit from that. They get a reward from that. They, they feel a lot better. They're a lot healthier, and they just have to do it in a very extreme way. I mean, some of us like to watch movies. Some people jump out of airplanes. Some of us get on the treadmill, and some of us flip tractor tires over. I don't know. It's just everyone is wired different, and there's a reason that they're willing to go through it. I think of people, some of the bravest people I know who have faced cancer and gone through chemotherapy. Who would choose to go through chemotherapy? No one. No one would choose to go through that. Why does someone want to do that and face the hair loss and the, and the constant sickness and not being able to eat anything and the memory loss and the way it affects you mentally? No one would choose to submit their body to something like that, but it's because they have a vision of themselves cancer-free on the other side of that treatment. Isn't it amazing you have a reason to go through something which you can put yourself through? You know, I think about my family and my wife who has given birth four times. And I, I don't know if you have ever had the pleasure of either delivering a baby, which I can't say I have, but I've been in the delivery room and I can't imagine just from what I've seen the intense amount of pain that is involved. I mean, it is a very painful brutal process. This is not like some, you know, prettiness. It, it, it's crazy what childbirth is. And so just seeing the pain that my wife would go through, and she's usually such a sweet, loving, Gentile person. But when that baby is ready to come, nurse and doctor, you better be there ready to roll because she's going to let you know about it, right? I mean, I've heard stories of men getting knocked out from their wives, literally finger claws, nails, blood coming out. This wasn't even the female, but it's just like the guy's bleeding because the woman's like, this is painful. What did you do to me, right? You did this. Sorry, it was fun at the time. <laughs> Guys, we have the good side of that. Just, just be honest. But it's incredibly painful, but something amazing happens. After all of that pain, after all that delivery, when that baby comes and she's just wrapped up all cute, right, and lays on mom's chest, it's like all of the pain, everything that you went through, in that moment, it just all goes away and it's worth it. You know why I know that's true? Because then they're like, let's have another one. What? 
You want to do that again? I'm traumatized. I don't know if I can watch you go through that another time, right? Let's just keep having them. It's wonderful. Are you crazy? Heck no. But it's so worth it. When you have a reason to go through something, it's absolutely amazing what you can endure to come out on the other side. See, I don't know what it is that you're going through, but there will be a million reasons to walk away. I don't know if it's something maybe with your health, you're trying to get healthy this year, maybe trying to diet and exercise and get some of your health under control. There'll be a million reasons why you can walk away from it. Maybe in your marriage, there's a million reasons why you just feel like you can't do it anymore. And there might even be a million valid reasons why you can't get through it. Or maybe you've been trying to get out of debt and it seems like everything you put in place and all the plans that you make, they just fail and you just can't get ahead. Maybe you've been battling an illness or maybe you've just been praying for a miracle and maybe you have a million reasons on why you want to walk away from God or walk away from the church because you've seen so many hurtful things. Or maybe you just, you're like, I don't understand why people act like this and they say they're supposed to be following after God. Or maybe you prayed for something and God didn't answer the prayer the way that you thought that he should and it caused you to be like, I don't even, I don't know if I'm in this anymore. I'm just ready to walk away and quit from this because this is garbage. Because God, if you're real, why are you allowing this to happen? Can we just be real a little bit on Easter morning? Am I the only one who ever feels that way. There's a million reasons to walk away. And sometimes you just need, out of all of a million reasons, you need one reason to continue. So how did Jesus do it? How did Jesus continue? How did he, knowing what he was about to face, knowing the physical, brutal punishment that he was about to put his body through, knowing the betrayal and even the abandonment from God, how did he do it? I love what it says in the book of Hebrews. Are you guys ready for this? Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, it says this, For the joy set before him, for the joy, oh, we got to stop here for a moment. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How did Jesus do it for the joy set before him? Let's take a look at the lyrics again. Turn to the book of Gaga, chapter 2. I bow down. A few of you got that. I bow down to pray. I try to make the worst seem better. Lord, show me the way to cut through all this worn-out leather. I've got a hundred million reasons to walk away. But say it together with me. But baby, I just need one good reason to stay. Right? just need one reason to stay. Jesus just needed one reason to press through the pain. Give him one good reason. What was Jesus's reason? What was it that got him through? What was the reason that he was willing to submit himself to all of this torture, all of this pain? Are you ready? You were the reason. You were his joy. I was, as some of you need to get this in your spirit today, you were the joy set before Jesus. Not someone else, not some multitudes, not all of history. You were the joy that was placed before Jesus. You were the reason that he chose not to walk away. Matter of fact, it's all about the one for Jesus. We sang a song today, and you might have been wondering what that lyric was about 99 and people walking away, and what is that all going on about sheep? Well, Jesus tells a story about a shepherd who has 100 sheep, and what happens is one is lost, one is gone. He doesn't know where the sheep is, but you know what? The 99 are here. So what would most of us do? Most of us in that situation for shepherd, well, at least I've got the 99, right? That one wayward sheep, hope hope he makes it tonight. Hope the wolves don't get him. Hope the bears, no. What does Jesus do? He does the unthinkable. He tells the story. What does the shepherd do? He would leave 
the 99 found sheep, and he would go after the one lost sheep. That's what we're singing about in that song, that we serve a God who's so crazy, his love so reckless that he would do something so insane to leave 99 found. Who does that? No one does that. But that's the God that we serve. That's what Jesus is all about. You were the reason. See, when man was at his worst, Jesus was at his best. When man threw everything that he could, when the enemy threw everything that they could against Jesus, he was at his best. Even after he went through, even after he said yes, even after he was whipped and beat and put on a cross and crucified and ready to die, he was at his best. What happens in that moment? Was he bitter? Was he angry? Was he like, you know, God, just kidding, just kidding. Can you send some angels and just, you know, bring me up off of this thing right now? I changed my mind. This is too, no, that's not what Jesus does. What are his words? Father, forgive them. What? Father, forgive them. And he continues, they don't know what they're doing. Can you imagine those words of Jesus after being put through what he has put through in his last breaths? He says, it is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. That's what he tells God. It is finished. It is over. Jesus gave his life on a Friday. That Friday night, the world was dark. The light of the world was gone. It was extinguished. I can't imagine what his followers felt at that moment. Can you imagine just putting yourself in the disciples' shoes and even the people that followed after Jesus? Can you imagine what they had to have felt on Friday? Jesus, you, you, he, he was our everything. He was the dream. He was the mission. He's why we were doing this. And now, now he's gone. Now he's dead. What, what are we supposed to do? Can you imagine the hopelessness? Saturday morning rolls around. Nothing's going on. And the confusion, where, where are we going to go? Where are we going to live? I mean, we walked away from everything, remember? They left everything to follow Jesus. And now he's gone. What are they supposed to do? I can't imagine by the time Saturday night rolls around. Oh, probably that this time the confusion probably turned to some anger, maybe even bitterness. God, how could you let this happen? God, we gave up everything to follow you. We put it all on the line, and we said yes to following you. And how could you leave us like this? How could you just leave us abandoned? Can you imagine the, the pain, the torment, the confusion they were feeling on Saturday nights? Not knowing what's happening, what's going on. Jesus, why did you do this? This wasn't the plan. You were supposed to save us. But then, Sunday morning, isn't it amazing what can happen in a few days when God enters the scene? Isn't it amazing to see what can happen in a few days when God enters the scene? Because on Sunday morning, some of you know the story, the ladies came up to see the grave to check on Jesus' body, and what happened? They got up there, and that stone was completely rolled away. There was an angel, and he was like, hey, here's what's up. He is not here anymore. He has risen. And see, when it comes to Sunday morning, when God enters the scene, everything changes. The penalty of death had been paid in full. He kicked Satan's butt. He crushed him under his feet. Death and grave had been defeated. All of our sins, everything that we have done, everything for all of humanity, God took it all upon himself to finish the work through what Jesus did. Everything changed on that Sunday morning. Everything changed on that Easter Sunday morning. And isn't it amazing, just like we said, the most meaningful times follow the most difficult trials. The most meaningful times will follow the most difficult trials. See, what did Jesus know? 
What did Jesus know in this situation? See, he knew that there was life on the other side of his death. He knew that there was life on the other side of the death. And so I don't know what it is exactly that you're going through. I don't know what trial that you're facing. I don't know what it is that you want to quit that matters the most. But when you are ready to quit, you've got to remember this, that it takes a death to have a resurrection. It takes pain to make progress. It takes a trial to have a testimony. It takes a hurt to have a healing. And it takes a struggle to have a story worth telling. So when you're ready to quit, remember Remember that sometimes you have to endure the worst to experience the best because when God changes everything, when he shows up on the scene, when he enters your life, he can change everything. And see, maybe like me, you are going through something, you're going through a trial. And see, this, this whole church plant thing, this is new for me, it's new for my family. This has not been easy. See, we walked away from some really great situations. We walked away from financial security. We walked away from family that really loved us, a church family that we loved to be a part of. And we left it all and took this leap of faith into insecurity, not knowing how we would land. How would we be taken care of financially? How would our family be taken care of? Where would the relationships come from? Where would all that go through? And as we continue this journey, there have been a million reasons to want to quit, a million reasons to want to walk away from it. But we are believing that on the other side of it, just like God has been faithful over and over again. We can see already what God is beginning to do in people's lives, and it makes it so worth it. And I don't know what it is that you are wanting to quit on your life. I don't know who this is for today, but you are ready to quit on something. You are ready to quit on someone. I want to challenge you today. Don't you dare throw the towel in. Don't you dare quit and walk away. You've got this. You can do this. There is hope, because here's what I want you to know today. There are a million reasons to walk away, and maybe, you know what? Those reasons might be valid. You might sit down with someone, you tell them your reason. They're like, I concur. Your, your reasons are incredibly valid. I would walk away too. I'm not saying that your reasons aren't good ones. They might be incredibly great reasons to want to quit. But I want to tell you today, there is a reason to stay. You know what that reason is? Because when Jesus was faced with death on a cross and betrayal and physical beating and abandonment, even by God, when he had that reason to go through, you know what his reason was? Is that I was enough for Jesus. And so if I was enough for Jesus in that moment, then Jesus is enough for me. And I don't know what it is that you are going through. I don't know what it is that someday you will go through, but you better remember this, that no matter what you face, no matter what you are going through, that if Jesus was enough for you, then he is enough for you. If Jesus, you got what I'm saying. If you were enough for Jesus, Jesus is enough for you. He is the reason that you can get through it. He is the reason that you can endure. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you feel that you need to walk away from because there is an enemy who does not want you to succeed. There's an enemy that just wants you to quit on this season. There's an enemy that wants you to quit on this relationship. There's this enemy that wants you to quit on this family. There's an enemy that wants you to quit on setting the goals. There's an enemy that wants you to quit on church. There's an enemy that wants you to quit on God. There's an enemy that wants you to quit on your relationship with him. And there'll be a million reasons why you think you can back that up. But I want to tell you, there's one reason that trumps every single one of them. It's because Jesus, because of what he did for you, because of what he did for me. And if he was enough, if I was enough for him, he is enough for me. I want to close with the scripture that we read earlier in Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Don't miss this scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners, 
ready for this? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When life throws its best and worst at you, when it feels like you've got no get up and go left, when it seems like your back's up against the wall and you have no other options but to throw in that towel, always remember that Jesus faced with the same choice because it was his to choose. He made the choice to stick through and endured the opposition. Why? Because you were his joy. Man, some of you better get that today. If you get nothing else, you better get that. That you were his joy. Talking down on yourself, letting other people talk trash on you. No, no, no. Some of you just need to like, excuse me, let me tell you something. I was his joy. I was Jesus' joy. That better get someone excited. I better give someone some hope today. You were his joy. Let that resonate in you today. You were his joy. You were the reason that he went through what he did. You were the reason that we get to celebrate Easter today because Jesus went through because you were his joy. His joy. Not obligation, not duty, his joy. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.